Thank you for being here tonight. And as you have listened to the scriptures and we have sung together, we have come together to reflect on the story of the crucifixion. I'm convinced that sometimes in church there's not enough reflection. I'll say that again. I said sometimes I feel like in church there's not enough reflection. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of shout. That's all good and fine. But sometimes I believe in the life of the church, it's very imperative that we reflect on the story. And this is just not a story. This is the greatest story ever known to man. And if there is ever going to be a story that we reflect upon, we need to reflect on this story. And there's something about sitting there listening to the words of the Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Luke. The word gospel means good news. So when you are sitting there, you are not just hearing a narrative. You are hearing good news. And this good news has been proclaimed for 2,000 years on every continent around the world. For 2,000 years, men and women have proclaimed the gospel because it is good news. And if there's anything that we need to reflect upon, we need to reflect upon good news tonight. We need to open our ears, we need to open up our hearts to hear the good news. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want to share some more good news with you. You've heard the Word of God proclaimed, and uh, we're going to partake of the Word of God as well through communion. But the Word of God proclaimed tonight, I want you to, just for a few moments, as I reflect upon this this story tonight, the greatest story ever known to man. There are 2.3 billion Christians around the world. Just recently, the population has peaked over 7 billion. And one-third of the population, 33% of the population, claims to follow Jesus. Whether they are devout or not, we do not know. We do know, according to Scripture, that Jesus will sort the wheat and the tares in the end. It is not our responsibility to try to sort who is a real believer or who is not a real believer. But we do know by statistics there are 2.3 billion of us. There was one 120 2,000 years ago on the, day of, uh, on the day of Pentecost. 120. After 2,000 years, there's 2.3 billion of us. And I believe that we've made some noise throughout these years. Can I hear an amen? We haven't been a perfect church by no means. You can go back in church history and you can find all the bloody stories. You can find everything that we did in the name of God. We haven't been a perfect church. But we are still His church. And He loved us and He gave Himself for His church. The greatest story ever known to man is being proclaimed around the world tonight. There are Christians just like you and I who have gathered in a church like this. There are other churches who are like storefronts, cathedrals. They have gathered to hear the good news tonight and throughout the day because it is the greatest story ever known to man. And if you look at this story, there's many different things about the story that I could preach on tonight, and I don't have all night to preach. But if you was reading the story, there are many things that just really stick out and it's applicable to you and to your life. But one of the greatest things I think about this story tonight on Good Friday is as Jesus is hanging on the cross, Jesus begins to utter some words from the cross. 
Jesus is hanging there and He is gasping for air. Blood is dripping down from His body. He is hanging on a Roman cross. His twelve disciples are disillusioned. They're upset. How can Rome kill this man? We were hoping that He would do us a favor and overthrow the Roman Empire, but now He is dying. His apostles... All 11 of them were gone. There was only one at the cross. It was John. Only one. After three and a half years of Jesus mentoring these gentlemen, after three and a half years of Jesus teaching and instructing them, only one of them showed up at the cross. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. After three years of instruction, after three years of Jesus sharing His heart with His followers, only one of them came to the cross? One of them? Could it be that in those three years they really didn't get the message? And could it be that there are millions of us flocking the churches tonight and very few of us really get the message? Very few of us is really penetrated by the gospel. Oh yes, they followed him. They, 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 they reclined at the table and said, Master, is it I? Oh, you know Peter. Peter said, you know, you shouldn't die, Lord. And the Lord rebuked him. I mean, they were really concerned about this. They, they said they loved him. But when it really came down to it, ladies and gentlemen... Not one of them, except for John, who was his closest friend, was there at the cross. All 11 of them were upset and disillusioned and they were shaking their head and scratching their head trying to figure out who is this man. And if they would have only opened up their heart, if they would have only listened if they would have listened to his heart, they would have understood what he was trying to do. Because communication is not what's being said. Communication is what's being understood. Oh, Jesus did a lot of talking in those three years, but they still didn't get it. I mean, I mean, Jesus walked with them, he slept with them, he, he, he ate with them, and yet they still didn't get it. Only one of them. The rest of them, you couldn't find them. Oh, his mother was at the cross. Of course, that's what a mother should do. Oh, yes, few devout women. Thank God for women. Those coward disciples ran away, but there was a few devout women who, who knew that there was something to this message. But all of those other disciples, you couldn't find them. Only John. Could it be that they really didn't understand what Jesus was doing? Could it be they didn't understand the message that He really taught? I mean, because in those three years that Jesus was conversing and teaching and mentoring those men, Jesus specifically told them that the chief priest and the elders are going to hand me over to death. They're going to destroy this temple, but in three days, I'm going to rise again. Jesus was very clear. 
that he was going to die and he was going to suffer. But he also was very clear that on the third day, he was going to be raised again to life. But ladies and gentlemen, at the, at the resurrection, you only have a few of the women showing up. They still didn't believe the message. And I am just, I am just enthused by the scriptures tonight because it is so relevant to us. How many of us go to church and hear Pastor Josh preach every week for 52 Sundays out of the year, and yet somehow the message doesn't penetrate our heart? It isn't transformative. We really don't get it. We, we give mental assent to it. We give our tithe and offering. We build our buildings. We, 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 we say we believe it. We recite the creeds. But it, do we really understand? Because communication is not what's being said. Communication is what's being understood. Do you understand? That's why Jesus called him and he spoke in parables. And that's why... The disciples at many times in those three years would say, Master, what do you mean by this? Jesus called him to the side and he would reveal the parables or the secrets of the parables to his disciples. You know, those disciples had a hard time comprehending. They had a hard time understanding what God was doing. And, and maybe if I lived there, if I lived back there, maybe I would have a hard time as well. You see, it's more, it's more than just a story. Christ has called us to partake in the story. You see, we, we are remembering His death. And in a few days, we're going to remember His resurrection. But I just don't want you to remember His death and remember His resurrection. I want you to participate in the story. I want you to die to yourself and be resurrected in the newness of Christ. It is more than just something you read. It is something you participate in. It's more than scriptures we read. It's, it's a story that we participate in. It is death and resurrection. It is, it is darkness and it is light. It is the story of our own life. How we are to die to ourselves, And we are to do it publicly by water baptism completely under the water. We are to die and be resurrected. It is something we participate in. It is just not a story. It is a living narrative. And those disciples didn't get it. They wasn't there at the crucifixion. Their beloved teacher is suffering on the cross gasping for air, and not one of them showed up but John. Oh yeah, they all wanted to preach. They all wanted to heal the sick. They all wanted to raise the dead, but they didn't want to suffer with Him. Isn't that just like the modern church? Oh, we all, we all want to do miracles, but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of being at the cross, some of us is close to the cross, but we're far from the blood. They didn't get the story. Oh, oh, they sat at the table and ate with them, but they still didn't get it. Jesus standing on the Judean hillside and 
taught 5,000 people and gave fish sandwiches out. Oh yeah, they were there to clap for the miracles, but they still didn't get it. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. That is why Jesus, right before He was crucified, now I'm, I'm trying to stay calm, but I might shout a little bit. But Jesus gets up to His disciples and said, listen, I know y'all don't understand anything that's going on, but when I die and resurrected, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost, and He's going to be your teacher. Woo! Woo! And this teacher is going to remind you of everything I ever said to you. And so tonight, there's no reason for us to be lost in the story. We got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. And He is to teach us and to remind us of the story. The problem with the disciples is they didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's why He said, before I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Sister Regina, He's going to be your teacher. He's going to comfort you because you're going to be disillusioned when you see me on the cross. But He's going to comfort you. He's going to, be, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. And He's going to bring everything back to your remembrance. So when you are upset and wondering what I'm trying to do, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you that the chief priests and elders would hand Him over to crucifixion and the temple will be destroyed. But don't worry about it because in three days He's going to rise again. I am going to be in the belly of Jonah for three days but I'm going to come out of that belly at the end of the three days I'm going to rise again Mary don't you weep Martha don't you moan I am the resurrection and the life I'm going to send the Holy Spirit He's going to teach you He's going to remind you of what I'm doing and tonight ladies and gentlemen there's no reason for us to sit in cathedrals and churches as if we don't understand what God is doing Oh yes, they were disillusioned 2,000 years ago. They couldn't figure out what God was doing. The two men from Emmaus, after the crucifixion was walking, they, they were disillusioned and Jesus showed up and walked with them because they didn't understand why Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, was dying. They didn't understand. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight we look back to the 2,000 years ago, we look back and we understand God's prophetic calendar. We understand what God was trying to do. And Jesus stretched out His arms and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know why they don't know what they're doing? Because they don't understand what you're doing, God. Because when you don't understand... You don't know what you're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Of course, they don't know what they're doing. Because they don't understand. The prophet said that if the princes of the world had known, if they had known, they would never crucify the Lord of glory if they've known. But they didn't understand. They didn't comprehend. Pilate would have never washed his hands and gave him over to crucifixion. The crowd would have never 
cried, give us Barabbas. They would have never done it if they would have understood. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And isn't it interesting when somebody don't know what they're doing? Sometimes we want to put vengeance on them. I mean, he could have easily said, Father, deliver me. You know what God would have done? He would have sent legions of angels to deliver him from that cross. If he would have just uttered one word, deliver me, Father. He never said, Father, avenge me. Because, you know, that's what we do. We want people to pay. Jesus said, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What is Good Friday about? I'll tell you what it's about. There are some things we do. We don't know what we're doing. He forgives us of our sins of omission. He forgives us of our sins of commission. Those things that we deliberately do and those things that we do that we don't know we do. But I promise you, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, and open up your heart, He will reveal those things to you. The crucifixion you had... One man who died for sin. You had another man died in sin. And you had one man who died to sin. At the crucifixion that day, you had one man, one died disbelieving. That was the thief on the cross. You had the other thief died pleading with God. And then you had one man who was dying, bleeding. Three crosses, and yet sin was in him, and sin was on him, one of them. The other one, sin was in him, but not on him. The other one, there was no sin in him, but there was sin on him. You see what God was doing? They, they, they didn't see what God was doing. One of them, at the crucifixion, misused his last minute of breath and got damnation for his soul. One used his last minute and gasped and said, Lord, remember me in paradise. The other man used his last minute and brought heaven and earth together. One man died rejecting the gospel. One man died repenting and believing the gospel. And one man died and gave himself so that you could read the gospel. One died as a sinner. One died as a saint. And one died as a savior. What is Good Friday about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about the Holy Spirit revealing things to you because you're not in the dark anymore. You should understand now, Good Friday 
is about forgiveness. Because He forgives us even when we don't know what we're doing. But Good Friday also teaches us that Jesus is in the middle of the two crosses. What, what do you mean, Pastor? Jesus should be in the middle of everything in your life. He should be the middle of everything in your life. That's why the prophet said, He is the will in the middle of the will. He should be the center and the nucleus of your life. And in closing, what does Good Friday teach us? Well, it teaches us one of the greatest stories. Only one man was at the cross. It was John, his very close friend. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus has died on the cross and he looks to his he looks to John and said, John, behold your mother. Now, I'm not the smartest theologian, but that was not John's mother. John was a disciple. That wasn't his biological mother. What was Jesus doing? Jesus is saying, I'm dying, John. I need you to take care of my mama for me. I know I'm going to be resurrected here in a few days, but I'm going to be gone. You need to take care of my mama. You know what Good Friday teaches us? That at the foot of the cross... There's no such thing as a bloodline. At the foot of the cross, we are all family. We're all family. Jesus told John, take care of her because my crucifixion begins a new family. And it's no wonder the centurion, hallelujah, took the spear, yabbed it, jabbed it in the side, and from his side came blood and water. Hold on! It's prophetic, isn't it? Because all the way back in... I'm about to shout. Help me, Lord Jesus. Are y'all with me? All the way back in Genesis, he put a woman to sleep, and uh, he put a man to sleep, and from that man, he took out a rib and made a woman. That was the first thing he did. But Jesus now is starting a new covenant, and this covenant is not by a bone. It's by blood and water that's flowing from his side. This is a new family. This is a new Eve, and this is a new Adam, and this is a new paradise, a new garden of Eden. Oh, hallelujah. I'm making a new covenant, and it's no longer by a rib of a man, but it's by my blood. Somebody help this preacher preach tonight and raise your hands and give him glory tonight. He's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. At the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross. This is a Good Friday service. i got to calm down here because Sister Regina, I'm about to run around this building. Amen. Somebody say amen. I said, somebody say, man, aren't you glad for Good Friday? Aren't you glad for freedom? Aren't you glad for... Bible says 
having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way by having it nailed to the cross. The Bible says in Colossians 2, verse 15, He disarmed principalities and powers, and He made a public display of them, triumphing over them. How did He do it publicly? He died on the cross between heaven and earth and made it very public. I'm telling you tonight that Good Friday is a good day. An old song we used to sing growing up in church. I know you know about it. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. <laughs> Mercy was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it was a good Friday. And the Bible says they took his body down from the cross, wrapped it in linen cloth. As Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus begged for his body, wrapped it in linen cloth because Passover was on its way. They didn't have time to wrap his body with spices. They rushed and put it in a borrowed tomb and rolled a stone over it. The Bible says that Pilate put a Roman seal over the, over the tomb. That was Friday. In just a few, or, few more days here in this church, we're going to have a party on Sunday morning. I said we're going to have a party on. So y'all better get your shouting shoes on because there's going to be a party up here in Galena on 1500 East 7th Street. Don't you let the rain stop you. You better get your raincoat on. Come to the house of God because we're going to declare that was three days ago. It is Easter. It is resurrection. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave and crushed the head of the serpent. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's Easter. Hallelujah! crushed the head of the serpent. The first Eve rebelled against God. Caused humanity to fall into sin. Mary comes to the cross was obedient to the Father. She stood there. God who was starting a new family That's why you should love each other. You know why you should love each other? Because you're going to spend eternity with each other. We are family. People nowadays talk about family time, family time, family time. You better make some priority for this family time because you're going to live with us forever. Better make some time. We're going to live forever as family. God is our Father. Jesus is the older brother. And one day, Brother Ben, when the trump shall sound and the dead is raised and we, are, we meet Him in the air, we're going to go to a supper because that's what families do, don't they? 
They eat together and they're all going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and Sister Kathy, we're going to sit there and I'm going to fellowship with all the saints of the ages and we're going to tell our story how we made it over. But aren't you glad we stuck together? So at Christ's point, we commemorate Good Friday. Why you come to church tonight is because we're family. Family eat together, don't they? Families come to a table together, don't they? It's no wonder he instituted the Lord's Supper. Because family should eat together. He says when you eat together, Make sure you remember me. I'm not at the table yet. But he says, I'm going to drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So every time you come together around the table and you eat, just leave an empty seat for me like the Jewish people do for the prophet. Is that correct? They're, they're, they're remembering Passover. The Jewish people's remember Passover. If you know anything about the Passover, they all come around the table and they leave one empty seat at the table for the prophet Elijah. Is that right? Because they believe that one day before God comes back, the prophet's going to come back and sit at the table and eat with them. Well, it kind of reminds me of the Christian story. We gather every week and we should be eating together and supping together and let us remember the empty seat because one of these days we're going to sit at that seat there and he's going to sit at the table with us and we're going to remember the greatest story ever known to man. Families should eat together, shouldn't they? They should sup together. That's why the apostle said you've got to be careful that you don't let the rich go first. You better be careful when you sit at the table that you don't show favoritism because we're all family. Mothers and fathers shouldn't show favorites. We're all family. Good Friday was certainly a good Friday. 